Uh, Pastor Rob asked me to minister or share the word this morning. Uh, he said that it was by request, and I want to say this. Thank you for opening your hearts. Thank you for opening up your church and allowing us to come and minister the word. I know that for me personally, how many know the word is the most amazing thing? I absolutely love the word of God. It changed my life. I was a young boy. Things had not gone well. And I want you to know, I finally made a decision after two of my friends were killed in a car wreck. And I had said that I was a believer, but I did not know what I believed. How many know there comes a point in time when you as a believer, you must follow the Lord for yourself? Not because mom and dad did, not because brother and sister did, but you have to follow the Lord for yourself. So I made a point to begin reading the Word of God. And I stand here before you today to tell you that because of the Word and because of His grace upon my life, I am what I am today. It's not my talents. It's not my abilities. You can ask my wife. I don't really have a high opinion of myself. But let me tell you, I have confidence in the Word. Can I hear an amen this morning? So with that said, I'm going to ask that you would turn to three portions of Scripture the first is Leviticus chapter 9, the second is 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and the third is Acts chapter 2. I'll give them again to you. Leviticus chapter 9, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and Acts chapter 2. It's good to hear pages turning. I'll give you a moment. One more time, or are you ready? One more time. Leviticus chapter 9, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, Acts chapter 2. Before we begin reading, I'm simply going to say a word. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the privilege of getting into your word. And this morning, Father, I simply ask that your Holy Spirit would perform his executive duties. He is the one who brings illumination. He is the one that can change hearts. He is the one, the only one, that, Father, comes into our lives to guide, direct, help, Comfort us as we walk in this world as your children. And Holy Spirit, I ask simply that you would have your way this morning in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Leviticus chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in verse 22. It says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them. And came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. 
Now turn with me over to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Beginning in verse 41. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, Thou in the ark of thy strength, let the priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thy anointed. Remember the mercies of David thy servant. Now verse 1 of chapter 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, very familiar. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to listen to these four verses again, but this time... I am going to read them out of the Amplified. It says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place, when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like of a rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire which were separated and distributed and which settled on each one of them. And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. The title of my message this morning is simply, the fire of His presence. Hmm? As I begin this morning, how many know we are living in the greatest day and greatest hour that the church has ever known? Hmm? I know a lot of people talk about all the bad things, and there are a lot of bad things. We are experiencing difficulties. And yes, there are tremendous battles that we are facing and will yet to face as believers can I hear an amen this morning? Huh? But the truth of the matter is that we are living in a day and an hour that, have, that would have caused any Old Testament saint to be green with envy. Remember what Jesus told those that were with him? He said, Abraham longed to see my day. Hmm? In fact, this is the very thing, all right, that Paul wrote of in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 6, verse 19. By the way, why would they be green with envy? Because how many of you know we know the Lord no longer dwells in temples made with hands? How many know he dwells in his true temple, you and I, the church? And this is what Paul is speaking of 
in 1 Corinthians 6.19 when he says, Know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Please understand something, saints. How many of you know this is the greatest dispensation that the people of God have ever known? We don't have to go to this mountain. We don't have to go to that mountain. We don't have to go to this house of worship. We don't have to go to that house of worship. How many of you know the presence of God now abides on the inside of each one of us? And wherever you go, this ought to make everyone happy. Wherever you go, God goes with you. Right? So again, we are dwelling in the greatest dispensation. All right? Because why? God is no longer dwelling in temples made with hands. But today, he lives and dwells in the lives of people. And it's this indwelling of his presence that I really want to minister on today. Again, do you remember what Jesus tells the church of Sardis in the book of Revelation? He says, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. And why does he say this? Because as you know, Scripture warns us of the enemy's tactics, and the number one tactic of the enemy is to steal the Word of God out of our lives. Let me tell you, if he gets the Word out of you, he wins. The Word is a threat to Satan. The Word is a threat to his kingdom. Can I hear an amen? And so what he does is very subtly... He either steals it out of your life because you don't know what it really means or you haven't studied to show yourself approved, or he corrupts it, he perverts it. Can I hear an amen? I love what Joe Frano used to always say. You can eat 100% pure hamburger or 99% pure hamburger, but if the last 1% that you eat is arsenic, you're dead. Come on. And I want you to know something. This is how subtle the enemy is. This is why Paul said we should not be ignorant of his devices. So Jesus writes to the church of Sardis, which, by the way, is a letter to the entire church, the entire body of Christ. And he says, be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. And how many of you know I believe that we need to strengthen our understanding of the Holy Spirit? Huh? We Pentecostals have done a poor job of teaching on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, you got awful quiet on me. Huh? But it's the truth. We've done a poor job. We have allowed the non-Pentecostals to tell us what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And are you ready? Shame on us. Hmm? Now, with that said, the first thing that I want you to see and notice regarding this passage in Acts chapter 2 is that when the Holy Spirit falls upon that 120 in the upper room, the King James says it fell or appeared like cloven tongues of fire. Now, I want everybody to look up here. Literally, like the Old Testament tabernacle, they saw flames on top of the individual heads, and as those flames began to burn on top of them, they spoke with a new language. We have missed that when it comes to this day of Pentecost, okay? In fact, the Amplified says it this way, 
tongues resembling fire settled on each one of them. Furthermore, as that fire sat or settled upon them, each individual began to speak with other tongues. Now, there's two things that I want you to notice here. First and foremost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, he comes like as a fire. Hmm? Secondly, when they begin to speak in other tongues, as that fire comes upon them, not one of that 120 believers questioned its reality. Not one. And yet today, we who have that Pentecostal heritage are constantly questioning it, whether it's valid or not. Hmm? Remember, this wasn't one or two people upon which this experience came. This was 120 people. And although there's nowhere ever recorded in the entire New Testament where Jesus ever teaches about speaking in tongues, not one person from that group questions it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's incredible. And why do I say it's incredible? Because when you consider how the more people you get into a room or into one place, and having them agree about anything, that's incredible. Let me give you an example of what I mean when I say this. I've gone through three church renovation projects. My first one was a nightmare. The next two were just a piece of cake because I learned something from the nightmare. Can I hear an amen? By the way, let me just say this to every single person. You will make mistakes as believers. Can I hear an amen? But you will learn more in your mistake than you ever do doing everything right. I remember going to college, and when I got back, I got in this little independent church, and we went through hell on earth. Can I not tell you today that it forged in me things that literally I couldn't get anywhere else? They didn't teach it in Bible school. And sometimes when we go through these fires, we say, God, I don't know why it's going on. And then other people will tell you it's because you don't have no faith. Well, I want you to know something. How many of you know God uses everything to develop us? And so all of a sudden, we did our first church renovation project, and during that project, we made a committee. Worst mistake of our lives. And why do I say that? Because one person liked blue carpet, the other person liked red carpet, the other person liked beige carpet. One person wanted pews, one person wanted chairs, one person thought they should all be padded. One person says, you know what, we don't want to get too comfortable, everybody will fall asleep. And how many of you know it was tooth and nail during that project? And when it got done, it looked terrible. So guess what I did on my next two renovations? You ready? We had a lady in the church that used to do all the displays for Macy's. In fact, it's my wife's sister. Anybody know Janet Beidle? She's incredible. Well, guess what? I put Janet as the coordinator of the renovation project. She was the one who would decide what carpet, what pews, what this, okay? And can I not tell you how many know it was a learning experience for me? Why? Because Janet, the first building, was mauve. She got mauve carpet. I didn't want mauve carpet. I'm just being honest. Let's keep it real. I did not want mauve carpet. 
And I wanted blue. You know, after all, the heavens are blue. I want blue. That's what God... <laughs> huh? I wanted blue. But guess what? When Janet got done, and even to this day, if you would walk into that first church that we are a part of, you would be blown away at how awesome it looked. Then we moved to another church. Same thing, brown carpet. She got these black chairs. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This ain't ever going to go to... How many of you know I walk in that church today, and I'm amazed at how awesome it looks? And are you ready? How many of you know it's hard to get people to agree on anything? And the more you get, the harder it is. Yet on the day of Pentecost, even though Jesus never once, there's nowhere in Scripture that he ever once taught on speaking in tongues. Not one person questions it. Now to me, that's not only incredible, it's a miracle. Huh? But it also leads me to ask this very important question. It's a question that every Pentecostal should ask. Why? Why did they so easily and so readily accept this experience? Why is it that they had no problems nor questions regarding this speaking in tongues, this flame of fire, when they had never before heard about it or seen it in their lives? The answer is simple. They already knew about the fire and functionality of God's presence. Huh? Again, the first thing, needing that you need to understand regarding the fire of God's presence is found in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. And do you remember what it says there? It says, I want you to listen, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. Everybody look up here. God is not flesh and blood. Jesus is. He is the expressed image of the Father. Prior to Jesus coming to earth, how many know nobody knew what God looked like because God is fire? He put on the form of humanity in his son so that we could see what God looks like and how God lives. But God is a consuming fire. What about Moses? Do you remember how the Lord first appeared to Moses? Listen, it says that he appeared to him as a flame of fire out of a bush. What about the first time God appeared to the children of Israel? In Exodus 19, verse 18, it says, And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. Then you got Revelation. Huh? And John describes the risen Savior. And he says, When I saw him, his eyes were burning like a flaming fire. God is fire, saints. Can I hear an amen this morning? You can't get away from it. How I many know it's all throughout Scripture? Hmm? God is a consuming fire. Always has been, always will be. And when these early believers saw those 
cloven tongues of fire come upon each believer. How many know they knew that that was the presence of God coming upon them? No need to question that. We know what that is. They were raised with that from the time they were born. Remember, the day of Pentecost was all Jewish believers. Can I hear an amen? They had heard the stories. They had memorized the stories. Hmm? And when this transpired with them, there was no question. Now, how many of you know the fire of God's presence doesn't stop with the burning bush or even Mount Zion, Sinai. It continues both with the erection of Moses' tabernacle and the building of Solomon's temple, the two portions of Scripture which I read. In fact, it's here in these two examples that we not only see the fire of God's presence, but we come to understand its functionality. There's a reason for it. Hmm? Now, the first thing I want you to see here regarding the tabernacle of Moses and Solomon's temple is that they represent the dwelling place of God. Huh? During Moses' day, how many know if you wanted to find God's presence? Where did you go? Everybody say, the tabernacle. Remember the children of Israel? By the daytime, how many know it was a pillarly cloud? By the nighttime, there was a pillar of fire over it. You knew where God's presence was because you could see it. Can I hear an amen? Same thing is true under the temple of Solomon. Right? Now, where did the, when did the children of Israel recognize that God's presence had fallen, and when did these two structures become functionable? Are you ready? And again, you can go back to the text that I read. In both passages, they make the sacrifice. They cut it up. They put it before God. But the tabernacle and the temple were not functionable even though they were already built. Moses had the tabernacle built. Solomon had the temple built. But it wasn't functionable until what happened? They made the sacrifices, they walked out, and fire came down out of heaven and consumed those sacrifices. And the Bible says that from that point forward, Israel, whenever they traveled during Moses' day would take the coals of that fire and carry it around with them. Why? Because they were never allowed to offer a sacrifice with any other kind of fire. Is everybody with me? In fact, those of you that know your Bibles, you know that when Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two sons, tried to offer a sacrifice with, quote, strange fire. The fire of God came out and consumed them and killed them. Oh, come on, saints. You need to hear me this morning. Because I want you to know, this is a perfect type and shadow for the church today. How many of you know resolve will not get the job done? Huh? 
Come on, New Year's Eve resolutions don't get the job done. Can I hear an amen? Why? Because how many of you know flesh cannot consume flesh? Try as you will. I promise you, try as you will. You can have all the resolve in the world, but how many know we are dominated by an Adamic nature? And it cannot be overcome in our own strength or in our own power. That's why the Bible says, you ready? No one's going to glory in God, except in God himself. Can I hear an amen? When you stand before God, I want you to know something. You're going to fall down and give God praise because you're going to come to the reality that it was him and him alone that brought you into his presence. Can I hear an amen this morning? It's awful quiet. I'm trying to teach. All right? I'm not trying to. I, get, I can get excited. <laughs> but anyways, when I say that. So we need to see this. By the way, this is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 when he said that we are to present our bodies unto God as a, listen, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. You see, today, our old bodies, our old Adamic nature, is the sacrifice that God wants us to offer as His New Testament priests. But here's the thing. Even as God told the children of Israel, you do not offer any sacrifice with strange fire. How many of you know Jesus told those early believers, don't you go anywhere until you receive the power from on high. Why? Because we are not to try to do what only God can do in our lives. Is everybody following me so far? Huh? Huh? Again, this isn't a new teaching. It's all throughout Scripture. Hmm? But apart from the fire of God's presence, how many know the temple is not functionable? It's already built. This is where we have missed it, especially with non-Pentecostals. They'll tell us, you know, the Bible says that when that which is perfect has come, then that which will be done away shall be, that which is in part shall be done away. And they tell you that that which is perfect is Scripture. The gifts of the Spirit were given so that until the Scriptures were revealed. And then when the Scriptures were revealed, the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to be kidding me. See, when it says, when that which is perfect has come, you ready? Paul goes on and says, we prophesy in part. We know in part. In other words, when God uses you in a word of knowledge. How many know God knows everything? But guess what? When God uses you in a word of knowledge, He doesn't tell you everything. He gives you just a little piece. Why? Our minds couldn't bear it. And so God gives us a little snippet. And guess what? We, we're obedient to the Holy Spirit. We share that. And I want you to know something. God does incredible things. Right? But then guess what happens? How I many you know you don't know no more? <laughs> it's an in-part realm. How many of you know gifts of healing? How many believe in the gifts of healing? You ready? Does God give you that gift so that, and it stays on you so everywhere you go, I mean, you just touch people. Could you imagine? Arise! Arise! It's not how it works. How many of you know 
we are in the in part realm. And this is what Paul is speaking when it says that we received a token payment when we received the Holy Spirit. How many know a token payment is earnest money? This is what it's going to be like when you get the full benefits. This is the best that it gets. And are you ready? But when that which is perfect is come, when we finally come upright before the Lord, when we're finally in His presence, how many know we're going to leave the in part realm to enjoy the fullness of our God? Can I hear an amen this morning? Is everybody following me? I know this is not Christianity 101 this morning. Huh? But how many of you know it's a truth that needs to be taught? Why? Because there's an onslaught against the Holy Spirit. There is an onslaught against the fire of God. There is an onslaught against speaking in tongues. How many of today we want the Holy Spirit to be totally controlled? We want Him down in the basement. We don't want to make waves. And you know what we've done in all that? We've limited the Holy One of Israel. You're awful quiet. Hmm? So again, this is our reasonable service. But it's only through the fire of God's presence or the fire of the Holy Spirit that we can do this. Any other way or any other attempt by us is to offer strange fire. And I want you to know something. We live in a country that prides itself in its resolve. We resolve to do. Well, I got news for you. Flesh cannot overcome flesh. I love what a dear minister friend of mine used to say and how he described it before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said that before he was filled with the Spirit, he had all these character flaws. We'll use that word. I'll say another word. This sinful nature controlling him. And he said as hard as he, as he tried, he just couldn't get rid of them. And he says that every Sunday, he would drive to church, go up to the altar, and at the altar say, God, I want to live for you. I vow to live for you, never to do it again. He'd get back in his car. He'd drive home. And as soon as he got out, all the things that he avowed to surrender to the Lord were waiting for him on his front step. And he said this, and I love this analogy. He said, you know, the problem was I drove a Chevy, but my old man drove a Maserati. But then one day, he said he got spirit-filled. And he began to pray in tongues. He began to edify himself in his both holy faith, as the book of Jude says. And as he began to pray and as he began to edify himself, he didn't have to vow and he didn't have to try. Suddenly, the old rotten fruit began to fall off. And new blossoms began to appear. And it's the fruit of God. Is everybody following me this morning? Saints, I want you to know something. You ready? The only way. Remember what Jesus said? The axe is laid at the root. 
Why? Because you can pluck off all the bad fruit off of a bad tree, but because the root system's bad, it keeps producing bad fruit. But guess what? In Christ, we're new creatures. And now the Holy Spirit comes into our lives as a consuming fire to devour out of us everything of that old nature. It's also why the Bible says, as newborn babes, you ready? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Why? Because when you're born again, you get a seed on the inside of you. But that seed is in an infant state. And just like a baby needs milk to grow, how many know your spirit man in there will never overcome your flesh until it grows up and matures? And you take the word and you take the spirit and how many know it becomes strong? and healthy and the old man who used to control you loses his power y'all looking at me like what in the world hmm Paul said it this way and you know these verses I mean I'm not sharing with you anything new Romans 8, if we live after the flesh, we shall what? You're going to die. But if you, listen, through the Spirit, do mortify, literally put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Let me tell you something. I'll never forget, and I'll just use this analogy. When I first came home from college, I mean to tell you, you ready? I could never say no. And I came home to see one of my childhood friends. And I knocked on his door. And when he opened the door, he was smoking a joint. He blew it right in my face. And he said, welcome home, preacher. Next thing he did, we went down in his basement. He cut three lines of cocaine. Good to have you home. I looked right at him. You know what I said? You're not going to understand this, Bob. But that old man is dead. Can I hear an amen this morning? Where I could never say no before. How many know I was able to turn, walk away, and never look back? Let me say this to every young person or someone who's addiction. You ready? Sin. You ready? People that are in bondage love company. They don't like being in that condition by themselves. But are you ready? You'll never overcome those things until that spirit man on the inside of you grows to the place where he becomes stronger than your natural man. Is everybody with me this morning? Huh? Again, this is what you need to see, all right? And here's one of the greatest aspects and power of the Holy Spirit that has been overlooked by most Pentecostals. See, going back to Acts chapter 1, and the admonition of Jesus to wait for the promise of the Father, Jesus tells us in verse 8, and we all know this, that once the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive what? I got one person that knows that verse. It's a Pentecostal church. What will they receive? Power. You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And then he says something incredible. He says, to be my witnesses. 
Now, for years, Pentecostals have believed that that power is, you know, performing supernatural feats. And I'm not making light of that. How many of you know that is the normal way that God flows to his children? Notice I said normal. We don't teach on this anymore. But how many of you know God is sovereign? He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Can I hear an amen? That's why he used a donkey to prophesy to the madness of his prophet. He can do what he wants. But the normal way that the gifts of the Spirit flow through the believer is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit because now you become the channel and vessel by which God can flow. But are you ready? To limit the power of the Holy Spirit just to the workings of the gifts is to lose so much of what the Spirit of God really wants to do. And why do I say that? Because the word witness, and you can look this up for yourself, is actually the Greek word meaning martus. Do you know what martus means? You will receive power to be my martus, or you will receive power to be my martyrs. Hello? Martyrs means, how many know, it's through the Spirit, the fire of His presence, that your flesh man dies. Is everybody with me? Hmm? And that's exactly what happens. When someone receives the infilling of the Holy Spirit and they begin praying in that little funny language, the power of martyrdom, I don't know if I said it right, but you get the picture. The power of being God's martyr begins. Hmm? <laughs> Again, it's through that funny little language that our spirit man is edified and built up. And in, in all actuality, it's the fire of God's presence that's getting bigger and bigger and hotter and hotter. When John saw Jesus and his flames were a fire, he saw into the depths of the man and he saw the fire of his presence inside Jesus. How many know that's what God should see in us? That's how white hot that spirit on the inside of us or how, how hot and how big the flame on the inside of us should be. That's why the Bible says you should pray every day in the spirit. Hmm? By the way, watch this. How many know again, using the Old Testament types and shadows, the sacrifice of Israel beautifully portrays this. When the priest would come, he would cut the sacrifice. I love this. He'd cut it in pieces, put it on the altar. As he laid it on the altar, and they took the fire, and they began to consume it. When it was baked, did they take it off? Oh, come on, saints. You're Bible believers, right? What transpired? Did they take it off when it was medium rare? 
Did they take it off when it was well done? The Bible says the only time the sacrifice came off of the altar was when it fell through the grate as ash. How many of you know the Holy Spirit wants to totally consume you? He's never meant to get just a portion. Can I? <laughs> I thought everybody would be excited today. I, I mean to tell you, I'm reading this stuff, and I, you can ask my wife. You ready? My wife will tell you, I am not the sharpest tack in the box. In fact, when you, that's what I get in trouble with when it comes to even business meetings and stuff. I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. I'm not Johnny on the spot. I'm not real quick-witted. But let me tell you, and I say this all the time wherever I go, I'm like Isaac. You know, everybody knows about Abraham, the father of faith. They know about Jacob, you know, the prince of nations. But what is Isaac known for? Isaac's known for two things. He redigs the wells of his father's. See, the enemy, whenever the enemy would come in, they would fill in the wells with stones to keep the life-giving water out. Oh, come on. But the second thing it did, it says at midnight or in the evening, as his custom was, he would go out in the field and meditate. I get a scripture. This is just how God works with me. I get a scripture. You can ask my wife. And it just some way, somehow, God just, I mean, it's like, Bam! It hits me in the face. And I can't get away from it. I'm doing one right now on vision. But then what do I do? I begin to walk the floor and I begin to pray in the Spirit. And I meditate on that verse. 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 And as I meditate it, Little by little, God drops the understanding. What I've shared with you today, some of you are looking like me, this is unbelievable. You ready? How many know what I'm sharing with you today did not come from my intelligence? What I'm sharing with you today came from meditation and praying in the Spirit, asking God to make known His ways. I told my wife, you ready? I appreciate Greek, I appreciate Hebrew, but how many know I so much value the Holy Spirit more than those things? Can I hear an amen? So again, this is what the Holy Spirit's for, to consume us. All right? That's the picture that we find on, uh, about the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what it means to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. You know the problem with the living sacrifice? Every time it feels the flames, it jumps off. That's the problem with the living sacrifice. And God begins to work in our lives, and how many know we go, oh, I don't want to give that up. Oh, come on, you know it's true. I don't want to give that up. But again, only through this fire can this truly happen in the life of the believer, all right? Are you with me this morning? Can you see why those believers, those 120 in the upper room, had no problem with the fire and speaking in tongues. I mean, to tell you, they grew up with this stuff. Can I hear an amen? They knew everything that I've just shared with you. They learned it from childhood. They put it to memory. This wasn't new. The next area that we find the fire of God's presence being demonstrated, and I may have jumped a little bit 
ahead of myself is in regards to the candlestick. Huh? And where was the candlestick located? How many know the candlestick was in the inner court under four layers of ram skins? Hmm? It was pitch black. Is everybody with me? So the priests, unless they lit the candles, and where was the fire from the candles to come from? The fire of his presence. And they would light those candles, and when those candles were lit, now they could do everything that was required of them, all the service that was required of them in the inner sanctuary. They could now do the incense. They had the fire for the incense. They, the, the breaking of the loaves. Is everybody with me this morning? Without that fire. And why? Because the fire not only represents God's consuming presence to devour it of the old life, it's also the fire that brings illumination to Scripture. Is everybody with me? Hmm? I can tell you, I stand here before you today, tell you right now, you can probably ask me all kinds of questions and I'd have to look at you and say, I don't know. I, I really don't know. In fact, I, this is the way I study. If God shows me while I'm reading, great. If he doesn't, you know what I say? Okay, Father, you're in charge. I'll set this up on the mantle. And whenever you want to show it to me, you can show it to me. I'm just going to keep on going with what you've already given me. Can I hear an amen? This is why Jesus says, out of a man's heart comes treasures both old and new. That's why when you read your Bible, last year you, you used a red pen and you saw where God spoke to you. This year you're using a green one. How many of God speaks again to you? The Word of God is a living book. Again, perfect, another example regarding the fire of God's presence that these early believers understood by the pattern of the Old Testament sanctuaries. Understand something, saints. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. Can I hear an amen? It's He who brings illumination and understanding that is normally unattainable through the natural mind. Huh? Again, let me remind you what Scripture says about the natural mind. It says it's enmity with God. Enmity means that it's not only ignorant of God's ways, it doesn't understand it even when it hears it. And if you don't believe this, I dare you to ask anyone in the world about tithing and tell them that Scripture says if you bring 10% into the storehouse, God said He's going to provide and cause our, heart, our barns to overfill. They'll look at you and go, are you out of your mind? Believers struggle with that. you got to be kidding me. 10% of my income? Oh, don't get quiet on me. I'm going to end right there. By the way, I do a three-week teaching on, on God's provision. Giving. Hmm? But are you ready? The natural mind doesn't understand that. It makes no sense to the natural mind. You mean God's going to provide for me, but all He requires is 10%? You're out of your mind. No, I'm not walking by my mind. I'm walking and living by the Spirit. 
Can I hear an amen this morning? Hmm? Natural man cannot comprehend these things. In fact, this is what Isaiah spoke of in chapter 28. Now, I want you to listen to this. By the way, some people say there's no reference to speaking in tongues in the Old Testament. Well, brace yourself. Isaiah chapter 28 says this, and this is the prophet hearing from the, 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 word of God, from the Spirit of God. Verse 9, Whom shall he, speaking of God, teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine or teaching? Them that are, listen, weaned from the milk and who are drawn away from the breast. How many know the milk and the breast represent your flesh? Oh, come on. Then it says what? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he, God, speak to his people. How many know every time you begin to pray in your heavenly language, you're edifying yourself in the Spirit? The Bible says that whoever prays in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit he speaks mysteries. Those divine truths, those secrets. And God says, those that are drawn away from the, the breast and those who are drawn away from the milk, that's who he's going to teach. And how are you drawn away? When you begin to speak with this new language. I swore this morning that I would stay on my notes. But I also prayed, have your way, Holy Spirit. Hmm? Again, I don't know if you realize this or not. I don't know if you've ever seen these things before. But how many of you know the Holy Spirit is the great comforter, the great teacher, the great aid. Is everybody with me? Jesus, when he walked the face of the earth, if his disciples didn't understand something, remember when they didn't understand the parable of the sower? The Bible says he took them apart and he began to explain it to them. Wouldn't you have liked to live back then? Jesus would say stuff. Nobody could comprehend what. Why? Because the natural mind doesn't understand the things of God. Those religious leaders would look at Jesus and said, he's out of his mind. His own family said he's beside himself. No, what he was speaking, the words that I speak, he said, were spirit and they were life. And the natural mind can't understand that. Can I hear an amen this morning? Now Jesus is about to be taken away. And you know what Jesus says? I'm not going to leave you I'm going to send the teacher, the promise of the Father, so that you never have to be alone. Are you with me? Hmm? 
And this is what those early believers understood. All right? Come on. Again, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Why? Because how many know His ways are according to the ways of life? Lost humanity is the way of death. Hmm? But it's through the fire of God's presence or His dwelling Holy Spirit that you and I can now be illuminated. Huh? Consumed for the glory of our Father. In fact, this, this is the very thing that Jesus referred to when He told His disciples that when He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you. Everybody say all. He'll teach you all things. Huh? If they didn't understand it, Jesus did, and now Jesus is saying He will. In fact, it's with this thought that I want to bring a close to my message. Sister, I'm going to ask if you would come and just... I think this scripture is going to stick out to you like you've never seen it stick out before. In Luke 12, 49, Jesus says these words, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it already be kindled? Now to better understand what Jesus was saying there, again, I want to go to the Amplified. Here's what it says. I have come to cast a fire on the earth. How many of the fire is the fire of his presence? Oh, come on, saints. I have come to cast a fire on the earth. And he says, oh, how I wish that it were already kindled. Jesus looked at his disciples and says, don't you know if I don't go away? the Holy Spirit will never come. This fire that I long for to be in your life, to consume every aspect of the old man and to bring illumination, to aid you in your walk as a believer, to comfort you when you don't have any answers. He will not come except I go. The atonement has to be paid for. But if I go, Can I hear an amen this morning? Can I hear an amen this morning? Two more things real quick. By the way, how many know I'm going to open up this altar for prayer? Two more things I want to say real quick to you. Number one, it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. People today say, you know what? That was only for the disciples, the apostles in their day that... Here's what it says in Acts. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those that are far off. How many of you know the promise of God's presence, the fire of His presence, is a promise that will remain in the earth until it's all done? 
And this morning, if you've been told, well, you know what? It was only, I'm here to tell you today. And let me hear their scriptures. I think I've done a pretty good job of showing you in scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, that this Holy Spirit is for today. The second thing that I want to remind you of is found in 2 Timothy 1.6, where Paul tells Timothy, Timothy's a young man. He's, he's beginning to struggle in ministry. He's a pastor. And I mean, he goes too far. And what does Paul say to him? Timothy, I remind you to stir up the gift that's in you by the putting on the laying on of my hands. Saints, I'm here to tell you, some of you old timers, you got this idea that you spoke in tongues 50 years ago, and that's good enough. It is not. It is not. That's why the Bible says, Paul writes and says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. If you read it in its original context, it says be filled day after day after day. And if you read the book of Acts, they're filled one time, and it's only a couple chapters later, they're filled again, then they're filled again. Not a one-time experience. And I'm here today to tell you, guess what? you can have the fire of God. You ever see a fire almost out when I was a little boy? We were at a campsite. We let our fire burn all night. Me and my brother got up and we went out to the lawn chairs. Never forget, it was East Harbor State Park. And we saw this little fire and it was out and, and us two boys and there was one log left. And we stuck our little sticks, our marshmallow sticks down in there. And all of a sudden we noticed it started smoking pulled it out and we put it back in and started smoking again and my dad came out and we said dad look it's smoking he says if you'll leave it in there I mean no those sticks caught on fire can I hear an amen some of you need to literally just come into God's presence and let that fire be rekindled this morning can I hear an amen now I want you to stand with me the temple of the Most High God. You are His temple. You are His dwelling place. But how many of you know the temple is not functional? Maybe built, but it's not functional until you receive the fire of His presence. This morning, if you need to be spirit-filled, I want you to come. Maybe you haven't spoken tongues in a while. I want you to come. You ready? Let's rekindle the fire of God. Can I hear an amen this morning? If that's you, I want you to come right now. I'm not going to wait. Let's do this. The Spirit of God has spoken this morning. I believe He's spoken to many hearts and lives this morning. And I want you to come right now. Let's spend some time in in the presence of our Father. Amen. And let's the fire of God be rekindled.